this is a great Wednesday to be able to speak with a real life superhero. So welcome Ooh. to the show, Alex. Wow. Man, that's uh that's that's a high bar you set, man. I you know it's a bar that you lift every day. It is so oh. clear. I think uh for anyone who is about to be connected with you, I think you have some of the most captivating, insightful, and uh, I'll even go on a limb and say soulful content. There's there's an origin story there, Alex. I've I've got to know what that is. What started all of this? Yeah, and and before I get there, and I I just want to express my gratitude to you, man. You have been nothing but supportive to me across this journey, and there have been some times where I just don't want to do it because I I don't like social media or I don't have the energy or whatever. And I go and check out my inbox and there you are. Hey man, how can I support you today? And I just wanted to express my gratitude for you, man. It, it is so helpful and I'm just so grateful to have you in my corner. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh man, you are, you are so welcome. What a, what a privilege. I, I, I'm always in awe at the power of, of social media that, that there, there is a digital brotherhood out there that would not be possible any other way. Our, our spheres of influence aren't, aren't just small circles anymore. They can, they can be really expansive and, and to find and connect with, with, um, I, I hate to use the term like-minded people, but the people of value who love adding value to people is, uh, those are the kind of people I need in my life. So, uh, the feeling is mutual, my friend. Ah, amen to that. Amen to that. And man, we could go down a rabbit hole just on that of, you know, we used to be the people, the five people that we surrounded ourselves with, but not anymore. You know, it, we're surrounded by so many people. Anyway, I don't want to detract. I know you had asked. A, no, that's a great a rabbit hole. I'll, I'll write it down so. <laughs> as, as another hole to go down. So yeah, let's, let's do that. Anything's an option today. Well, I, you know, I know that we had, we had connected and you had asked about the origin story, which is where you, you started. Um, and I'm happy to start there if that's where you want. And then I'm sure we can find many rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> Love it. To. Love it, man. Well, this is, this is your story and your time. And I want the audience to, to truly know you and connect. So if, 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 if you're willing to share your story, uh, I gladly welcome it. Yeah, absolutely. My friend. So I'll, I'll give a quick introduction of, of me then. Um, Alex Wassum, um, 33. And I think the way that I would describe myself now, most importantly, loving husband and father. I have three beautiful daughters, been married to my wife for 10 years now. She's my high school sweetheart. Um, I've known her since kindergarten, had a third grade class together. She sat right behind me. And I like to say I chased her around the playground until I finally caught her senior year and uh, dated her for about five years and suckered her into marrying me. And it's been it's been history since. So that is uh, really how I see myself in a nutshell now. And the reason I put so much emphasis on that is because without a deep sense of purpose, I don't really have much of me anymore. And I think that goes into the origin story of what we'll get to. Um, but my, my wife, um, was my girlfriend at the time that I was going through my depression and she ended up being a very large piece of my saving grace. Um, and 
it's something that I still lean on today. She is, she is integral to my identity and she is integral to my drive and purpose. Um, so that is definitely, I have to start with, with my introduction there. Cause number one is family for me. Yeah. Um, so clearly Ashley is the, the queen of your double wide, right? I mean, yes, that, that, that there's gotta it. be a song about that somewhere. No kid, man. There, there's actually a great song called Ashley by Escape the Fate. And it's one that we jokingly play all the time because it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of our love story song. But uh, anyway, not to get too sappy on here. Um, but yeah, that, that is how I start my, my introduction is with family. Um, my, my big drive that they give me is, is towards what we're doing here. My, my big mission is to, and, and I say big because it's big and I know it's going to be hard to do. <clears throat> but to decrease suicide rates across the board, mainly by teaching people how to overcome self-doubt, anxiety, depression. And that stems from my experience with the suicidal depression in my late teens and early twenties. Um, and that started when my grandmother passed at, at 16, um, going back even to a few years before that, you know, my, my dad moved his parents out from Texas. I come from a long line of proud Texans, uh, my two older brothers from Texas, my dad from Texas, his dad from Texas, his dad from Texas. And my dad, um, extremely smart guy, pursued technology. And that's what got him out of, out of Texas and over into California, Silicon Valley. And he did that to provide himself <clears throat> and his family as many opportunities as he could. And I'm so grateful for his work ethic and everything he's taught me. And one of those things that he instilled in me is a strong sense of family, which is why I start that introduction with me is, is I'm a family guy. I get that from my dad. Um, he moved his, his parents from Texas out to California so that he could take better care of them, which was great. And I think I was about 10 when he did that. And so I developed a really good relationship with them. They lived within 10 minutes. Uh, of us. And so we saw them every week. We did dinner. My grandmother taught me how to sew. She, she taught me how to be a strong, fiery wassum. I mean, we got it, you know, from, from her German lineage, you know, that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, <clears throat> both the good and the bad, I'd say, uh, I'm not without my corks, you know, but, uh, we, we, we all gained a really strong relationship with them. And then when I was 16, she, uh, she got diagnosed with stage four melanoma. She came over to our house. We were playing volleyball or something in the backyard. And I noticed a bandaid on her shoulder and I asked her what it was. And in my naivety, she said nothing. And I said, okay. And just went back to playing. And it turned out that it was a death sentence. Um, and for four months later, she was gone and she, this was her second bout. She decided, you know, I'm not going to do any chemo or anything. I'm going to let it run its course. She was 72. Um, but it was really hard for me because one, I was emotionally connected to her very close proximity, emotionally, spiritually, mentally with her. Um, and then of course, physically we were in close proximity as well. Um, she ended up passing in my parents' home, uh, the last few weeks brought her in on hospice and it was kind of a dying wish of hers to die in, in that home with my family and unbeknownst to my parents and me at the time, the, you know, her death and her passing was beginning to lead to my own. We just didn't, we didn't see that coming. 
um, because we didn't know the toll that it was going to take on me. Everybody else handled it fine. That's part of life. That's, that's, you know, not to quote Disney movies, but I do have Disney age kids. So don't judge me, you know, circle of life, right? <laughs> that's just part of it. And for me though, it got me asking a lot of, a lot of deep questions, especially as I saw somebody that I loved die torturously. I mean, I can still hear the sound of her not being able to swallow and, and I can see her just slowly starting to move and agonize as she got closer to the end and it, it ate at me and it got me asking, where do we come from? What is the point of all this? If somebody as wonderful as her can die this painfully, what is going to be for me? There's no point. And I felt like I was losing control of everything. And, and at the time I, like I was, I made uh, varsity lacrosse my freshman year. I was amongst the popular kids. I had a 4.0. I like I, everything was on track. And then this happened and it was a huge deviation point for me. And as I was grasping for some control in my life, the only thing that I could seem to grasp at was if we're all going to die and that's, that's the end goal of life, I can get it there faster. If I just take it into my own hands and Part of why I teach what I do today, but our thoughts lead to our destiny. It comes from Lao Tzu, right? 2,500 years ago. And that was the case for me is that thought process starting 16, 17 years old, ultimately led to me putting a knife to flesh and working my way down my arm to end it. Because it was like, you know what? There's no point. We're all going to die. I can take this into my own hands. I don't see a purpose anymore. And <clears throat> at that point, when I was working my way down my arm, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now walked in on me before I got close to calling it. And um, it was seeing the look of horror on her face that kind of made me had an out-of-body experience where I saw myself from her perspective and just realized, holy crap, what am I doing? And it led me down a path of, I have to fix myself. I have, I have to be better than this. And what's ironic is <clears throat> back then my thought process was we're all going to die. So what's the point? And, and I just came to this realization today as I was posting on Instagram. So it's, it's ironic that it came while we're having this conversation, but my thought process back then was we're all going to die. So what's the point? And having studied Stoicism and Christianity and different faiths and philosophies, looking at the Samurai Bushido Code, the thought process is still there. We're all going to die. But that has shifted from what's the point to that's the point. We're all going to die. So live today. Be grateful for what you have. You made it another day when a lot of people didn't live right now. Grasp, take hold of it, and do the best that you possibly can. But it took... That was, that was 16 years ago when, when she passed and it's taken me up to probably the last three years to really grasp hold of, of that thought process and really have what I would say some control over that. Um, so that's kind of my origin story, man. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the difference between a hero and a villain. They both have the same backstory. It just comes down to how they decide to use that pain. The villain says, I got hurt, so I wanted to hurt everybody else, which was me 100%. I played the victim. I played the villain. 
But the hero says, I got hurt and I never want this to happen to anybody again. And that's the mindset, <clears throat> pardon me, that I'm in now is trying to, to reach out and say, please learn from my failures because <laughs> I've made so many. <laughs> please don't, don't make all of them yourself and let me guide you and, and teach you this thought process and this approach to life so that you can grasp the same control over it and be the hero in your own story. Right. That's really where I find myself today. Sorry, that was very long-winded. <laughs> Man, that that is heavy. Wow. I, I, um, I had to take a few deep breaths there. Um uh, okay. So man, thank you for that. The authenticity is raining high right now. And and I guess my mind goes to fast forward to where you are today from that that story. You have a really big, hairy, audacious goal to lower <laughs> suicide rates, right? I mean, that's that's bigger than yourself. And from my experience in studying flow science and and any of the best coaches who are inspiring people to to move and to transform, they've got to set a large goal like that. So how have you architected the plan to reduce something that is so negatively impacting men these days that it seems overwhelming. So a lot of people don't even try to do what you're doing. Tell me that story. Yeah. I, I love the way that you phrased that question, because I think when we, when we set goals, regardless of how they are, they should be extremely large. I mean, not to be cliche and like the whole motivational guy, but like your goals should scare you. Right. And if they don't, they're not big enough. Right. Like that's what we all hear, but it's the truth. The reason that there's a cliche is because there's truth behind it. Right. And I think a lot of the reason that we fall off the the path to get there is because we don't chunk it up. And yes, my goal is to decrease suicide rates across the board, particularly in men. Eventually I want to focus on the military. I think that that is, you know, a, an epidemic that we're facing. My two older brothers were Marines. Um, and luckily I still have both of them around. They went to war and they came back different people. Um, and they've shared that with me, but I want to help those guys too. Um, particularly because they don't have the tools that they need. But anyway, I digress. Um, so the way that I'm chunking this up, because I'm a big believer Ed, in process proves outcomes. The outcome of suicide decreasing needs to be an organic byproduct of the process of becoming somebody different, right? We have to teach these men how to think differently, how to speak to themselves differently, how to act differently, how to emote how to create safe spaces to do that, to reach out. And like you said, create these digital communities, these in-person communities. We have to be able to form safe spaces where we can vent and recognize that masculinity is not a bad thing and that there are different forms of it and that it's okay to be a man today. I think that's what a lot of us are having issues with. And part of that is, yeah, you're allowed to cry. You're allowed to have your emotions, right? But we need to teach all of these things in an environment that allows us to band together. Because I think that one of society, the adversary, any negativity in the world, negative energy, whatever you want to call it, the number one way that it gets to us is when it removes our strength in numbers, 
right? I mean, it's the same thing I'm teaching my daughters. If, if you're going out, you need to be in a big group, same way I was raised, right? Be in a big group. It's the same thing spiritually. It's the same thing mentally, emotionally. And we need to teach those things in that manner. We need to teach them first how to think, right? We need to change that thought process and we need to change the perception of what it means to be a man today and recognize that that's okay. So I've, I've got a, a whole bunch of programs and stuff that I'm working on, but that's kind of how I'm, how I'm approaching this in a nutshell is not necessarily attacking the suicide, but attacking the what's leading up to the suicide. Yeah. There, there's clearly a, a, a root cause it, if yes. you will, right? We've we've got to find where where the break the breakdown is. I, I I can tell you from my academic training, I lost several students to suicide. It's mm. so so un, unfortunate. I remember my son uh, in high school lost some some good friends to suicide. I I have colleagues who were making the wrong choice, and I I would I would argue that each of those individuals did not have an outlet to express that which they were feeling. So they were relegated to one of two choices at the bottom. And, and you've been there, right? And you, mm -hmm. you said it yourself, what's the point? And for um, it, it hurts my soul to know that people can fall so, so low and nobody recognizes it. It's, it's one, it's like drowning. It's a silent, death, right? Because nobody, nobody can read Alex's mind and know he's suffering They're they're Yeah, it has to be the space created to, to invite people in to have the dialogue that they would not have otherwise. Is that simplifying it too much? Because still, I don't know if the space was created for you, Alex, would you have done that? I, I don't know if you can oversimplify to get to the root cause, right? I mean, Steve Jobs said, if, if you can identify the right questions to ask the right problem, you're 80% of the way there finding mm -hmm. a solution, right? And you're right at, I didn't have a safe spot and I hit it as much as I could. I mean, back in high school, I spent $200, which was a lot for a high school kid on the darkest pair of sunglasses I could find. So nobody could see me. I tried to create a bubble so that nobody could read me. And that's what a lot of these guys are doing. I think we we saw an, an escalation of that with COVID. And I don't know that we've come back. I think that that sense of isolation has remained. And I think a lot of us are trying to fight to return to some sense of normalcy, but I, I see a lot of it remaining. And we need to get through that. Yeah, normalcy. That That's such an interesting term. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll ever get back to the normal we once defined. What Agreed. is what is the new normal for men? How do how do what's the pivot or the adaptation that is not happening fast enough in your opinion? Yeah, I think I think we're at a pivot point. I think that if if we're not consciously making the decision to recognize that we have to change and then acting on that and finding communities and creating communities then the, the normal is going to be remaining in isolation to, to be islands. Right. And we can't have that. I mean, I'm again, I'm going to boil it down. We can't, we cannot do that. That is not how we've evolved as a species. That's not how we are as a community. Strength in numbers is not just a physical thing. It is the mental, spiritual, emotional thing. We have to 
create safe spaces to do that. Um, and I catch myself saying safe spaces. I always ask myself the question, is it more important to be safe or strong? And I asked that of my wife of how do we raise our kids? Is it more important to be safe or strong? And I'm a big proponent of strong because then you can create your own safety. Whereas if you only focus on safety, you're dependent upon somebody else providing that at the cost of their strength. Right. And I'm seeing that a lot today as we're so focused on safety, we're removing the, the value of strength. And I think it's diminishing us as men. And I yeah, think is that, that is that the same those... as personal responsibility that, that uh, have men given that up um, for the mm -hmm. sake of to fit, fit into society that's trying to tell us where we are. I don't, I don't know. There's another oversimplification. No, I, I, I love boiling things down. And so I'm, I'm on the same page. Let's simplify and then build up from there. But I think that that is, I think that's a part of it. I think when we look at society, I mean, look, I, you and me both, we follow a lot of these, these really strong men on Instagram and I forget which one was talking about it, but it he made a comment of, you know, strong men are, are being yelled at simply for holding a door open for women now. Right. And for playing the part that men have historically played to the point where they're saying, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And so I think that it is a bit of the removal of personal responsibility for what it means to be a man. We're being screamed at, we're being belittled for doing the things that men have been raised to do. And I'm at the point now, it's like, take the screams. The right thing to do is always the right thing to do. Right. And, and I love the quote, it is no good measure of health to compare yourself to a profoundly sick society. Just because the society is doing something does not mean that we should follow suit if we know it to be wrong. And I would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash and make this a political thing at all. All I'm saying is I believe what I believe about being a man and I'm going to be the protector of my family, the provider of my family. And I know that other men want to do the exact same thing because that is historically and evolutionarily speaking, where we derive our value. And I think we need to maintain that. I really do. Hmm. So I want to, I want to go back to the 16 year old Alex. Um, mm -hmm. What were the, the pillars of transformation that allowed you to move through recovery? What um, could you, could you identify those for me? Because I think they're really relevant yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if I'm looking at it chronologically, the big thing, and then we can get into like the philosophical things that I teach now because of it, but chronologically think speaking, big thing that allowed me to recognize, man, I was messing up and I needed to change. Um, and that I leaned on was somebody else valued me. I did. I, I didn't hold any value for myself. My girlfriend loved me though. My parents were forced to love me. So I'll put them as an outlier. <laughs> I had great parents, but at that age, you don't value the inside of your direct family. You look for external validation. And my girlfriend who walked in on me cutting still loved me. And it took me to get to that point to realize, oh man, I, I am valuable to somebody else, even though I don't see the value in myself. I need to lean on that. And I need to grow into seeing the value that she sees in me so that I can start to value myself. So that was the first thing was I was able to recognize, okay, I may not want to live for me, but I found somebody else I want to live for. 
Yeah, you borrowed that, you borrowed the yes. value in essence. Yes. And that cannot be a permanent solution, but it can definitely be a good temporary solution. Right. Um, so that that was the first thing. I and then part of me finding internal value was finding a faith that worked for me. And this goes back to your your point of something bigger, right? These goals need to be so big. For me, I had to find something and I studied a whole bunch of different faiths and philosophies and I still do. I love them all. I mean, I just found one that works for me, but that allowed me to recognize that there is purpose to this physical life, that the struggle has purpose in it and that there's more in an eternal perspective. And the big thing for me was that I recognized that I'm a spiritual being having a physical experience. and that it just gave me a whole new perspective. It's, it's as if I was able to take a 30,000 foot view of myself and say, okay, let's actually analyze who you are. Where'd you come from? What do you want to do with this space, right? Your struggles are meant for you. They're good for you. How are you going to grow through this? And it just, it helped me really shift the perspective on all the struggles I had been through and what I was currently going through to recognize, huh, this actually may be good for me. I can do that. So I would say those were the two really big things was I borrowed. I like that. I borrowed somebody's belief in me. And then I found something bigger than me to believe in that allowed me to find intrinsic value. And then from there, I was able to start to gain the perspective of, okay, you hold value to this, this bigger belief system. You hold value to the people in your life. You can be somebody. Let's start thinking about who that person could be. Let's look out five years from now. Okay, you want to marry your girlfriend? What is it going to take to become the person that will be worthy enough for her to marry? What does that guy look like? Right? And then you start building out this plan of, okay, he has to be this type of person. What are the things I have to do to start becoming that person, right? It's the same thing as the, hey, we want to reduce suicide. Let's get to the root cause. I want to be this person. Let's get to the root and let's start building a plan. And so it was those kind of things that helped me get in the mindset of, all right, man, I, I can find some purpose in this and I can grow into somebody. But now when I look at it from, and for me, at a very you know philosophical, philosophical, faith-driven perspective. It's who do I want to be as a battle buddy to my wife, as an eternal companion for my wife, as a great father to my kids. And when I look at, you know, what we're doing, Ed, who, who do I have to be to resonate with people? What kind of virtues, characteristics do I have to embody to get through to people? And to be a leader in this space and for people to say, okay, I can follow this guy. What, what does that man look like? And it's that same process that I took back then that I'm taking now that continues to drive me forward right through each new chapter. Cause before kids, I had to be somebody different than I am now with kids. And when my kids get to different stages, I have to be somebody. And as an entrepreneur, I have to be somebody, you have to be somebody in these phases clearly define who that person should be, can be, 
and then work to close that gap on a daily basis that I think that's really what I lean on, right? Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, I had my default setting, not a very good one. <laughs> like if I go back to who I was when I was 16 and trauma does this, right? It, it kind of ingrains a person inside you, right? From that point on. And if, if I just let myself go and I fall back to that default setting, I'm, I can, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a good person on my default setting. So I have to consciously make the decision every single day to work towards the person that I want to be. Cause if I don't move forwards, I will move backwards and I don't want to be that person anymore. So that's really what keeps driving me forward. Yeah. Uh, ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think um, probably one of the biggest questions I get from the people I, I serve are, are, are men who are unable to identify a purpose beyond themselves, that, that their world is, is relatively small, right? right. It, it is the circumference of their head. They're stuck inside their comfort zone. I think if, if we're not careful, that's the default mode for a lot of people. That's the thermostat setting for the vast majority of men, right? So, so one side of the coin that is a gift to to be in gratitude for that intrinsic fire and fear of not being that guy. So I'm thankful I have that as well because I do not want to go backwards either. That the only direction is is that way, right? Mm -hmm. But I, would you say you found your purpose at this point in your transformation? Yes. Yes. Um, and I found a purpose for me, right? I think I borrowed my purpose for a long time, which again, it's good temporary and temporary can still be years, right? Sure. I, I borrowed my wives for, for a while. Um, but I'm very clear on my purpose now. And I'm very clear on the man that I want to be in 10 years or by 40. So seven years now. Um, and that's really what, you know, gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But that vision is in front of you though, Alex, right? It, it is not a destination you've stopped on and said, well, thank you very much. I, I have found, found my purpose. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it's not that way. You're, you're, you're looking 10 years down the road to the man you are to become. Yes. And it took I'm sorry, my alarm was going off. It it took a while to get there. It really did. And and what I would tell the men that are listening to this is it's okay to I I like how you said it's just right here. It's the size of their head, the circumference of their head, right? Your purpose can start being you just want to be a better person. It doesn't have to be, I want to decrease suicide rates across the board. Right. Yeah. You don't go to BHAG but, that quickly. No, no, absolutely not. Right. Just ask yourself, take a step back, become a subjective spectator, try and view yourself from a third party perspective and say, I'll use me. Who does, who is Alex capable of being in three years, in five years? Right. And if that's too far, do it in 12 months. Doesn't matter. Pick a time frame, but ask yourself, who can I be? Who do I want to be? And make it your purpose to become that person. And it can be as simple as that because I can guarantee you 
that will make you work out on a daily basis. That will make you eat better. That will make you take care of your sleep. Those are the, the three foundational pieces. And those three things right there will help you reach your purpose and validate that you are worth taking care of, that you are worth something, if not to anybody else, but you. And that is a great place to start. And then as you start coming into, wow, look what I'm capable of doing, then you can start reaching out towards, okay, who, what can I do for other people, right? I, I love the mentality of, we all want the strength for two, but it has to start with the strength for you, right? You cannot have this big bolstering strength to hold everybody and everything on your shoulders if you're not taking care of yourself. You will crumble under that. So take care of yourself first and ask, who do you want to be in 12, 24, 36 months and work towards becoming that person and see who you transform into? Yeah, I think that that that's so so meaningful. I think really quickly, and and maybe again, I, I'm putting too much of um, a root cause on societal expectations, but it it mm -hmm. feels like to me when I hear men talk, they have to have everything figured out. Um, that all that there can be no gap. They have to have all the answers, not just the next one. How do you help people shrink? that um that vision down to to something that is one step away versus knowing the 27 i have to take yeah i think that's a great question ed and i will be the first one to say i have no idea what i'm doing none i still hold my day job i don't know how to do this whole instagram thing i started this six months ago on a whim and was like, let's just see where it goes. Cause I got to yeah, get the message. I, I don't believe like, you, Alex, you're killing it with the messaging. Um, it's just, I would say that's a law of the gym that you put into practice consistency. You show that's up. That's just it. Yeah. That's it. That yeah. That's the big thing. Right? Like I have on my whiteboard right here, ideas of what to speak about, because I have no idea what I'm going to speak about that day. I don't wow. plan my videos. I, I'm just like, you know what? This sounds like a good, it's in my head. I'm going to talk about it. And to your point, I have the vision of, I want to decrease suicide rates. I know how I want to, I want to decrease self-doubt, anxiety, depression. Okay. How can I do that? I can, I can start sharing messages on Instagram. Okay. Do I know the next month? No. Do I know the next week? No, but I know today that let's just focus on that. Right. And so what I would do, and I would recommend this book to anybody. I, I, the one thing, I don't know if you've read that before. Absolutely. It is my all-time favorite self-development book because it talks about just this point, right? Set, set your five-year goal. How do you make progress in 12 months? How do you do quarterly goals? How do you get to it on a monthly basis? What are your weekly targets? What can you do today? And I'm going to get philosophical because that's what I like doing. <laughs> but all we have is today. We cannot, we cannot work on, okay, well, I'm going to do these 12 things over the next two weeks. Because if you don't do the thing that you have to do today, none of those matter. And I'll tell you right now, you don't need to know the, to your point, 27 other things that you have to do. Focus on the next three things. Boil it down. I love what you're, you're getting down to the root cause, right? What is the root action that you can take right now to get you there? And again, if, if we're looking at how do I find purpose or how do I take care of myself? How do I, how do I, take care of myself to find purpose. I'll tell you the one thing you can do to do today, go to the gym, take care of yourself, eat better, 
take care of yourself. Go to sleep early. Take care of yourself, right? Like we don't have to overcomplicate this. And I like to boil things down just like you do to simplify it. Let's not make this crazy hard. Life is hard enough as it is. So just focus on the one next thing you have to do. Check it off. Focus on the next thing you have to do. Check it off. Because I'll tell you, one of the biggest, I'll call it lies that I see out there is, especially on social media, everybody has this perception of, we all know what we're doing. Everybody has it all figured out. Nope. Nope. Like the truth is hardly anybody has it figured out. We're all just flying by the seat of our pants, but we're not letting the fear get in the way. Just go figure it out. Yeah, on the you're fly. Taking That's action. okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a huge believer in you lose more to inaction than wrong action, right? Indecision leads to more failure than wrong decision. Because while you're moving, I mean, think about driving a car, even with your foot off the gas, but it's in driving and you're moving slowly, you can turn the steering wheel. But if it's in park, it is so hard because you don't have any momentum to move that wheel. Just start moving. You don't have to be going 60 or 100 miles an hour. Just put it in drive. Yeah, that was a great metaphor. I didn't think about the friction on the tires and park. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm stealing that and calling it my own, Alex. Please do. (laughs) Please do. Wow. That's really it. Just, Just start moving. Hmm. So how did, how did you start moving, um, at age 18, you finish high school, you finish your, your successful career that you had up to that point. What was next in life? Well, I wouldn't say successful career at that point. Uh, Well, (laughs) yeah, that was a terrible choice of words. Uh, well, no, it was successful. You were there. I was yeah, there. So if that's I'll how we're success. It. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely. Right. For, for the mentality and place that I was in, sticking around, success in and of itself. You're right. Yep, that's a win. Yep. Um, you know, I, again, I'll, I'll go back to I borrowed my wife's ambitions. I, so I had I had 4.0 um, up until my grandmother passed away, and then everything tanked. I got really sick. We thought I had leukemia. I had a bone marrow biopsy. It was an autoimmune thing that ended up flaring up. Um, had irregular heartbeats, almost didn't graduate high school, you know, didn't get into any colleges. I went to two JCs before I went to a four year and I had no plan. My plan was to have a plan, right? Like, I, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. So I truly, I, I borrowed the ambitions of my wife who went to BYU, got her master's degree in accountancy from, you know, one of the top schools of accountancy in five years while I was going out of JC trying to figure out what am I doing? She worked for Ernst and Young right out of college, had two or three interns with them before she graduated. She will, you know, she made partner before we had our first or not, sorry, not partner manager before we had our first kid. So she was very ambitious and I'm just trying to figure it out. But I borrowed that. I borrowed her energy. I borrowed her goals. She knew what she wanted. And again, the only thing that I knew was that I wanted to be the man worthy of her presence. I wanted to be the man that she would be happily married to. I wanted to earn her love. I wanted to earn her respect. I wanted to earn being on her side every day. And so I was like, okay, I got to go to school and I got to get good grades. That's the only thing I know. I, the other 26 steps, I don't know. 
get good grades. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and then it was like, okay, I got good grades. Let's apply to schools. Which ones? I don't know. You know, but it ended up working out. And I, I went to CSU Fullerton, got my degree in economics, graduated, which never thought that was going to happen, man. I mean, didn't know school was for me, but it happened right out of, right out of college, got a job with Cisco systems. And I could not have been more proud of that, you know, cause I was then able to, to make six figures right out of college and contribute to my family. It was the first time I felt that, wow, I I'm bringing something to somebody else's life. And there was no greater feeling than being a provider and a protector for my family. And I, I was truly partner in crime with my wife. We were on the same page. I finally held my weight. But so from going from 18 to at that point, um, 20, let's see, I graduated when I was 26, almost 27. Cause I was late. I didn't know what I was doing. It took me a long time to figure it out. I borrowed. I really did. And all I knew was I want to be worthy of my wife. That's it. I had no idea that any of this was down the road. I'm, I'm still in corporate technology today. It provides for my family while I'm working on building this side stuff. And I know what my goal is now, but I didn't have a clear vision on that until I was 30. Until mm -hmm. COVID happened, the world quieted down, and I was actually able to take time and say, what do I want to do? And it took me, COVID hit in February when the lockdowns, December 2020, I was like, I want to be an optimization coach. I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to, I want to go and I want to lift other people. And so December, 2020, I started my certifications. I started working on my book and here we are today. And I'm still working on it. It's a long process. It is you know? a long process. And I, you know, you mentioned that, that magical age between 30 and 32. And I think there is a special neuron that turns on in mid men's brains that is either it, it, it's a level of commitment that changes mm -hmm. when men hit 30. And I don't know why, do you see a pattern like that at all? Because it, it happened to me. You, you've now talked about a story, you, you call it late, but I think you're right on time. Um, is that, is that a pattern you see at all? Yes, it, it is for sure. I mean, uh, us Wassums, you know, we, we call ourselves late bloomers. I come from a family of four boys. And we're all kind of the same thing, but I mean, I mean, you're a neurologist, you know, far more about the brain than I do, but men's brains don't stop their development until 26 to 28 years old, right? Women are much earlier than us. So from a comparison standpoint, you're right. I was on time, but I definitely see that. And I, I kind of liken it to our, our evolution just as a species, right? Where men are kind of in the state of survival. Who am I? The state of discovery, like, who am I? What am I doing? What do I want out of this life? We have the pressures of society and the expectations being thrust upon us. And I noticed in myself, and I'm still working on this, that the self-confidence to be able to say, no, this is what I want. I really didn't get that until I was 30. And you know, that was at the point where I was actually able to stand on my own two feet and say, no, you're not allowed to treat me this way. Or no, I don't want this out of life. Or this is actually the direction I want to head. I didn't get that till I was 30. Otherwise, I was just kind of blowing in the wind. And being what I, I call an individual, I was just kind of a summation of everybody that was around me trying to figure out who I was inside. Mm -hmm. I didn't figure that out until I was 30. And I yeah, see that I a lot in people that I work with, it's, but you know, in particular men.
right? We're yeah, trying to figure a, it out. A, a friend of mine um, likened it to this. He went through a divorce. He went through career changes. And he said, you know what, Ed? I just felt like I was part of a herd of elephants doing what society expected me to do. I was, I was one in a group just going with the flow mm. until I left the herd. And I think a lot of men leave the herd around 30. Um, but there's that existential question. Um, what, what am I here for? What am I doing? What's my purpose? Where am I going? You may not chart the, I'm the captain now. I, I'm the rudder. I'm the sail. Um, that's, that's overwhelming and daunting because you're carrying, you've got a huge yoke on your neck right? Um, with all this onion layers, you have to unpeel to figure out what you can take off. Uh, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So, all right. So you're right on, you're right on time, man. Um, <laughs> to, um, clearly your tattoos are evident on your arm. What's, what's the story and the imagery there that that's gotta be tied to some part of the story. Yes. Um, I have meaning behind every single one. So I started from these roses down to my shoulder and it's the Virgin Mary and above her shoulder on my shoulder is the Grim Reaper. And I started that one when I was 17 after my grandmother passed away. This is kind of my experience with, with my grandmother's passing. To me, my grandmother was wonderful. She was beautiful. The Virgin Mary brought beauty and life into this world without having to, to sacrifice any of her sanctity, right? And that represents my grandmother. I loved her, man. And she was amazing. So that's how I represent her. And the Grim Reaper over her shoulder is a constant reminder that no matter who you are, no matter how perfect you are, no matter what you do, death is coming for you. And back then it was a very negative meaning of, again, you know, you're surrounded by death, Alex, it doesn't matter, right? And now I think it has reframed it's meaning to my current thought on, again, we're all going to die, but memento mori, right? And the warrior's creed and outlook on death of we're all going to die. And that's the point. Live a life worthy of a legacy and do the right thing while you're living. So that's what that one represents. I then got this one, which is all Greek mythology. It's the battle of, I'm staying close to the mic, uh, the battle of men here men and beast i've got the lion here which represents uh you're wrestling with god which is you know the the israelites right that's what that means is you know the men who wrestle with god i've got medusa here who represents temptation um i've got moses on the throne up here with the the tablets um to represent judgment you know by the rules and then a man under here with his arm cut off representing imperfection and falling from grace. So to me, it's the battle of life wow. um, that we all fight with. You know, we fight with man and beast and temptation. And yes, we wrestle with God and we will face judgment one day, regardless of, of us judging ourselves on our deathbed, or if it is a higher power, that, that judgment will come. And how are we going to live it? And then I got the rest of this right arm done with the koi fish swimming upstream. And have you heard the, the Japanese representation of koi fish upstream? Yeah. Tell the audience though. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so koi fish swimming upstream one koi fish can, can swim in, in two directions up or downstream when they're swimming downstream, it's essentially a representation of like, Oh, my journey is over. I'm good. Like fish going with the flow, but 
the story of the koi fish swimming upstream is they swim upstream and then they get to this waterfall and it's a thousand year journey to climb up this waterfall, but the koi fish develop the characteristics, the grit, the perseverance, the consistency, the commitment to get to the top of this waterfall, knowing the reward, which is to turn into a big majestic dragon. And so showing the, the koi fish swimming upstream is a representation of continued growth, determination, grit, perseverance, all of those things. And then each color represents a different koi fish, different part of life. So the blue here um, represents fertility, fatherhood, right? Passion for family. Red over here is love and commitment. And then black inside here is overcoming trials and tribulation and the trauma that I went through. All still swimming upstream. I'm growing from it, right? That's the point. And then once that you don't see, I got my kids' names on my ribs oh, in here. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Where's the dragon going? Uh, it's got to be somewhere, right? Yeah, no, right. I got to, I got to do with big back. Or you got to finish you know? the story. I mean, the the koi fish are going to be all alone on your your arm for the rest of your life. They need a goal, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you're gonna have to talk to my wife about that one. You know. Yeah. She... <laughs> I'll call her later. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We got to talk. We got to talk yeah. about the end of the story. All right. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it, man. Well, look, you have been so kind with your time. I, I, I just have one more question for you. And that's Please. how can people find you, Alex? Um, I think you, 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 you've got an incredible mission that I know your story is going to resonate with someone and they might want to enter, enter that, that space of strength and safety that you're providing. Where, where, where do we find you? I appreciate that. So on, on Instagram, it's just at Alex Wassum. That's where a lot of my messages are uh, right now. I've got a couple of websites, what alexwassum.com, which is kind of a landing page, but there's contact information there. Um, I also have my brand page, which is stronger than your pain.com um, kind of tells my methodology and philosophy for teaching. And then my buddy and I are starting a company uh, called Wolf Life Consulting. Um, Wolf Life after my grandmother, Shirley Wolf. So it's a little homage to her. Um, and we're starting, aiming to, to launch this in the new year called the Power of the Pack program. Um, and eventually we'll have the, the Alpha Wolf program, but Power of the Pack program uh, will come soon and I'll launch that and let you know when, but that is where men can come and create a pack of men who want to develop the skill sets that they need to become stronger than their pain to have the strength for two, recognizing that they need to have strength for themselves. So we're working on the website and everything for that right now. I'll make sure that I share that with you when that launches. But that's another thing that we're working on to create all this space that we talked about here for men to learn how to control their thoughts, their words, their actions, ultimately their destiny and become the best person that they can be for themselves and for everybody else in their life. Because that's where we derive our, our value as men, protectors and providers. Incredible. And you mentioned a book. Um, oh yeah. Alex book. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm still doing all this. And I told you, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm figuring this out as we go. Um, that is in, in process right now. Yeah. So my book is called uh, stronger than your pain. It tells a little bit of my story and also tells the, the thought process and the methodology that I use to get out of that rut and start becoming the, the person that I am today. And ultimately the same tools that I still use today right? Are all in that book. My, my wife is currently editing. I'm self-publishing right now. Um, so my wife is editing that and I'm aiming to launch that December 1st. 
um, so that everybody can have it by the new year is the goal at least. So I, I just want to make sure that that's another tool that people can have in their hands and, and develop the proper mindset to work on becoming the best version of themselves. And I will make sure you get a copy of that, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Alex, this has been uh, such a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad that you allowed me in into your space for, for 51 minutes so I could learn the story behind the man. Um, I'd, I, I, I'm humbled and in awe of your influence, mm. um, of, of your, your big, hairy, audacious goal, which is so needed. Um, and for the, the energy and drive that you have within to create these spaces where people can thrive. Uh, and grow. So, so man, you, you've earned a fan uh, and a brother for a long time. I, I, I just damn proud to know you. That's all I can say. Well, Ed, right back at you, man. Thank you so much again for all your, your help. I mean, you are the high tide that raises all ships. Uh, thank you for, for raising me when I've needed it, even without me knowing, man, that's ex, ex, extremely, extremely helpful. I appreciate this community that you're building here. Um, and thank you for the time. I know that you can interview a lot of people. So I'm humbled that you would ask me to, to come share some time with you. And, you know, I just want to keep getting to know you more, man. Let's build this. I would love to have you on with our power of the pack program when we get that launched and, and get to know you better, have these conversations, dive deep and keep building for these men. Cause we, uh, we got a lot on our shoulders today and I appreciate you bearing a lot of that weight with what you're doing right now. So thank you. <laughs>